welcome everybody to episode 4. Again, thank you for the feedback from last week. I really appreciate that you take time to listen and I hope that my ramblings inspire some reflection, some interrogation of belief systems, maybe change if needs be in your life. It has been a strange week for me. I started the week reflecting on something I had done, something that could be seen as brave or cowardly. Something I should have done a while ago and honestly wasn't fully ready to do it. With the helpful nudging of a new unicorn, I started to see toxicity in a space I didn't fully acknowledge before. So I severed a friendship. I cut the cords technologically and otherwise they bound me to a friend that I held very dear. Now sometimes I'm not sure if this is your experience. I have a tendency to give people the benefit of the doubt even when the red flags are bellowing in the wind. I oftentimes try to understand the reason behind their behavior, understanding that they are the sum total of their life experiences. Or rather, that's how my sympathetic brain rationalizes it when I'm unable to face the dissonance I experience. I've grown over the last while very attached to a dear friend. His kind, generous spirit and gregarious personality drew me to him instantly. He's really a wonderful human who I was glad to share friendship with. And over the time that we were friends, we developed a closeness that for me was uncommon. We shared stories of our past, our childhood, our dreams and aspirations for the future, and visions for our individual careers and lives in general. Yet despite all this wonder in the friendship, there was an underlying element of dread, a thread of hurt and pain that he would regularly unleash. It was unusual for me. We somehow triggered unhealed wounds in each other, and it was painful and over the long term became quite destructive. So this week, despite my friend being so important to me, I decided to pull the plug to sever the friendship, to cut all ties ready. This in an attempt to prevent us from completely destroying what was a stunning friendship. Feeling too that sufficient light had been shone on the wounds we needed to heal individually. This was incredibly difficult. But at the same time, I felt relieved. We would now have the memory of the friendship without the pain. But this got me thinking about our and in general wounds of people. And how grateful we should be for our teachers for bringing these into the light. My friend would, when feeling threatened in whatever way that showed up for him, he would try to invalidate my feelings and belittle me. Have you experienced that? It can be incredibly painful if that's your childhood wound. I oftentimes would say friends should not treat each other that way. But in reality, it is in particularly those close friendships that one builds enough safety to let your guard down and to allow your true self to be seen. So in some perverse way, the bad treatment bore testament to the safety that he felt in the relation and the friendship. But that safety for him made me feel unsafe since my wounds were being poked and prodded. So this friendship made me consider our individual upbringing and the constructs in particular of shame and complex trauma. 
So you are seeing is this friendship and the eventual destruction thereof. I'm going to unpack shame in complex trauma and at the same time I'm going to relate it to the behavior I witnessed as well as the way I behaved. And this should help you to relate it to your life and hopefully you will be able to start to see your unprocessed trauma perhaps reflected in your friendships. I was aware from the very beginning of the friendship that my friend shall we call him John that John was despite his open carefree fun loving nature and big personality that John was in fact a man with many underlying issues like most of us the difference i noted early on was his inability to self reflect or even acknowledge criticism it was as though he was unable to self regulate and needed me to help him to do that so that meant that as long as i sang his praises and complimented him john felt full and happy and valuable and as long as john was doing something for me and i was grateful he was happy i remember at first being aware of his need to save me i would often say that i didn't need rescue and despite the instinct in me telling me to step away i really liked john in his generous heart and his kind manner He was really a beautiful person or rather he is a really beautiful person. Now shame is not an emotion it is a core belief about who you are. There are emotions that surround shame but in essence shame is a core belief. At the core shame is a negative view that one has about oneself. One sees themselves as not having a lot of value, not being very lovable, and hence seeing oneself as not being good enough in essence being less than those around them people who have experienced complex trauma have some level of shame complex trauma results and affects shame as we unpack this further you may recognize things in yourself please pause the podcast if it becomes too much It's always better to unpack deep shame and complex traumas with a professional. I am hoping though that this podcast stirs something within you and motivates you to seek help to heal yourself. We engage the world asking who am I? What is my personality? What am I good at? Am I lovable? Do I have any value? Do people want to be with me? Do people like me? What do I have to offer the world that would make people interested in me? And as children these questions are being asked at a subconscious level. And these subconscious questions are deep longings and desires built into every human being. I want to be desired. I want to have value. I want to be lovable. I want somebody to want to be in a relationship with me. So how do you get these answers to these subconscious questions? When we teach children about who they are externally, we have them look in a mirror to see themselves. In the same way, if a child wants to look at themselves from the inside, their personality, if they have value, if they are lovable, the mirrors that reflect back to them who they are are their primary caregivers, most often mommy and daddy. So what mommy and daddy say to you, how they treat you, gives you an indication of whether you have value. whether you are lovable 
So a child growing up in a happy home, a child growing up with emotionally healthy parents, learns through the reflection of their parents that they have value, that they are inherently good, and that they are loved unconditionally. So a child growing up in this environment has, because of what is reflected back to them, a positive self-image. With complex trauma, however, the mirrors are reflecting to the child negative messages about who they are. Now often it can look like you're sharing your opinion with mom and dad and they laugh at you and you get the message that you're stupid. And this is reinforced through eye rolling when you share something else. Could be that mom and dad just walked away as you started sharing something and you internalize that as them not being interested in you. You may have heard you'll never amount to anything. You can't, why can't you do anything right? And it may have come across even as teasing or being called names like fatty, four eyes, etc. These names or perhaps comments left you feeling belittled and not loved, not enough. You may even have had a parent or parents for whom nothing was ever good enough. No matter how hard you tried, they always saw only flaws. It may even have looked like, why can't you be like so and so? The comparisons gave you a message that you were less than. You may have experienced parents blaming you for their problems. We fight so much because you never listen. Dad drinks because you're always up to no good. The message you would have received is that the parents are fighting or getting a divorce because of me. Now, as a child, you may not even have been allowed to express certain emotions. Perhaps you were told that you cried too much, that you were too emotional, that you were too angry and nobody wanted to be around you. You were made to feel, therefore, that in having those emotions, something was wrong with you, that you were not good enough. You may have experienced promises to do um, many things that were not kept. And if you experience this repeatedly, you may have started to associate that with a lack of love, a lack of connection. And that sends a strong shame message to you. The flip side of this is that you could have been raised in a home where they were material, you were materially spoiled and there were no real rules or consequences. The internalized message you could have could have been that instead of mommy and daddy giving me themselves, they would rather give me gifts because that's easier. And the message received could be that I'm not good enough. And that sends a shame message to you. Alternatively, you could have come from parents in which appearances were important. Your parents were overly concerned about their physical appearance. They had to maintain a certain standard of living because of the way it positioned them socially. The expectations of you could have been the same. They could have expected you to look and act a certain way. Perhaps even later, your career path was already chosen for you and even your romantic partners were screened and vetted. As a child, the message received would have been that you it is not safe to be me. Being me is not good enough. In order to fit into this family, I have to change who I am because who I am is not good enough and that sends a shame message directly to you. So you can see that loud shame messages are internalized because of things like neglect, abuse and abandonment. 
because if as a child you perceive the two people who mirror yourself back to you as not loving, not caring or acknowledging you enough, you receive a message that you are not good enough. And that is a shame message. In homes where parents are emotionally healthy, where they are able to separate the behavior from the child, so if a child spills milk in a healthy home, the message you will receive is that the behavior was not acceptable, for example, but mommy and daddy still love you. In a complex trauma home, however, the behavior is attached to the child. And the message received is that you are bad, that you are not loved because of what you did. The distinction between who you are and what you did is not made. Strong shame messages received. Growing up with that, you learn to associate doing something that you perceive as wrong with who you are. So even the slightest mistakes that you make are internalized and personalized as I'm not good enough. And this comes out of a lack of distinction between who you are and what you do, a message you received when you were a child. Now, why we don't see much of it these days, many families before were large, with many children. And if you were in one of these, or perhaps there was a big age gap between you and your siblings, more often than not, you were parented by your siblings who were really not equipped to parent you. And the, re- and the mother reflecting you back to you was a message that could have resulted in shame. In addition, if you grew up with a sibling that was ill, mommy and daddy would have got spent all their time and attention taking care of that sibling. And the message that you could have gotten was that a feeling of neglect and the shame message would have been reinforced. Now, it's important to mention that most parents do the best they can with what they have. And in unpacking this, the message should be that while I'm not responsible for my traumas, I am, as an adult, responsible for my healing. So all we seek to do is understand and then process, bearing in mind that complex trauma is often generational. Now while, as I said, shame is a belief, it brings forth many emotions. And these look like pain, fear, anxiety, insecurity, self-hatred, depression, anger, jealousy, envy, discontent, looking for external sources of happiness, even hopelessness. And if you had listened to my podcast and previous episodes, you will recognize some of these emotions expressed by me. Pain, anxiety, external sources of happiness, not dissimilar to what many of you feel and deal with daily. So then you can understand that anything said to invalidate or belittle me would trigger my past traumas. And if John consistently used this to hurt me, understanding that this caused pain, then the healing on his side needed to commence. And failing that, I would have to distance myself from him while I heal from my past traumas that had honestly nothing to do with him. In looking at John's life, I can clearly see how his upbringing gave him subconscious messages of shame in not receiving positive messages about himself from his parents. In fact, in receiving critical messages, he developed a separate self to his true self, a criticized less than not good enough part of himself. 
but still subconsciously needing love and respect. He realized that he needed to adopt a persona, a different self, a more acceptable, created self. A self that was yet again separate to his true self. Thus, the created self became his public face. And the critical self raised its wounded head when dealing with me, calling him out. And his true self is what he showed me on the occasions when we created a safe space. Now, while this may sound almost movie-like, this is actually most common to how we function. Depending on our upbringing and the level of work we've done on ourselves, we all have that critical voice running in our minds. Thus, many people have a public persona and a private persona. It becomes problematic when the public persona is far removed from the private one, when they appear as two different people. Often they are called narcissists. This wasn't the case with John though, at least not my experience of him. However, his feelings of being not good enough, of needing to be validated, of needing constant approval, translated into him filling his life with things to attain social status, even at a huge financial cost to himself. He would cross boundaries in order to ingratiate himself into people's lives in order to win their love and respect. And this is where for me the rescuing started. He would overextend himself to the point where it appeared that he was totally committed to me. But he wasn't. It had in fact nothing at all to do with me. It was always about filling the void within himself. Now I should have known better, but honestly, because of my own abandonment traumas and the shame messages it gave me, I thought it was about me. (laughs) And honestly, the rescuing felt refreshing, even though my brain kept shouting to me to run. It felt like in those moments, I was enough because someone I thought so highly of found me sufficiently important to rescue me. I hope you are starting to see the madness and the illusion this creates. In not processing our shame wounds, we see a reality that we created in our minds. Now, while I mentioned safety at the start of this episode, there really could not have been safety in our friendship, not in the conventional way for sure. We were both actually playing out scripts in our minds that had nothing to do with each other. The real unsafety started to emerge when we started to get glimpses of each other reflected to each other. So what he experienced with me calling him out for his inability to commit or to fully show up in anything was reflected back to him as his inability to trust himself. And he reflected back to me my inability to trust anyone other than myself and to overthink and overplan even conversations such that I would have a conversation with myself coming to conclusions and not need him to be there at all. It was quite infuriating as you can imagine. The emptiness within him 
because of not being his true self as a result of the shame messages he received and continues to inflict on himself made him needy of praise of conf- compliments of gratitude he needed this to feel good about himself he needed me and others as well to reflect to him how awesome he was in order to regulate himself my shame messages and my feelings of not being good enough then channeled me to provide this praise and adoration in order to keep him in my life because him being in my life rescuing me be my guardian angel made me feel worthy made me feel good enough remember now this is happening subconsciously it is only upon deep reflection in space between us that i could actually start to see for what it was after a while i realized that this friendship was in fact shallow it is difficult to have deep conversations about that requires self reflection john had long before he met me stopped trusting himself and would find it easy to regurgitate things opinions ideas that he had been impressed by on the rare occasion when he felt sufficiently at ease with himself and safe with me glimpses of his true beautiful self would emerge and really that's what made me stay i witnessed the pure vulnerability of his essence i remember i remember fondly too in times when my mask slipped and when he saw my vulnerability he too liked and appreciated that part of me but then he would quickly recover from this feeling of being seen being vulnerable by saying or doing something to invalidate me to demean me to hurt me again to protect himself it was easier to hurt me than it was to allow me to witness his true self and for my overthinking overplanning lack of trust a uh, lack of trust brain i hated myself for allowing myself to witness the vulnerability and i hated him for being true <laughs> crazy the first few times his abandonment of the french would leave me devastated having activated my own abandonment shame messages that i'm not good enough after a while however i started to see the pattern and the deliberate attempt to hurt me to distance himself from me in seeing the pattern i began to anticipate it and its effect was lost on me seeing this now made john aware that i was actually getting to know him and this is terrifying for him and for people who have this type of wounding he would do anything to avoid exposing the parts of himself that he had been told was not good enough was not worthy of love was not worthy of respect the only way john knew how to protect himself was to hurt me and then the dissonance dissonance and inauthenticity was so ingrained within him that he would need me in his life since i presented things that he held dear but he needed to hurt me just enough to keep me at arm's length because authenticity and vulnerability is terrifying as i said this is true for many people with this type of wounding 
in particular those who have not started to any kind of healing process yet. Now I've said before that we are all each other's teachers, but sometimes the lessons are too painful to learn. So most of us either consciously, as in my case, or unconsciously, do what is programmed into us. We fight or we take flight. Hence I say deciding to end the long-standing friendship could have been could be seen as cowardice or bravery. Now that I've described what re- what is really evident in any relationship between two people. It occurs in marriages, in romantic relationships, in relationships between siblings, even in my case in long-standing friendships. In addition, the pattern repeats itself with multiple people. So as long as we haven't taken the time to self-reflect or better yet process the wounds with a professional, the pattern will continue to replicate. Too often ending marriages, dissolving partnerships, causing disruption in families, and even more sad, replicating into the next generation. So today's podcast was difficult. It was difficult to do and I'm sure difficult to hear. But no real growth occurs in comfort zones. And in unpacking wounds, we have an opportunity to heal ourselves and to remove the wounded veil that clouds the way we perceive the world. I hope that you are able to reflect on the essence of you and notice your wounding, knowing that these can be healed. Knowing that in healing yourself, you have an opportunity to engage more authentically with those you love and the world in general. Oftentimes, upon upon embarking on my healing journey and your healing journey, you may need to distance yourself from people who poke those wounds, as I've had to do. However, once those wounds are healed, the painful effects of the relationship will no longer exist. So in essence, And like in all systems, if you change one part of the system, you change the whole system. So hopefully, once I've healed my abandonment wounds, John and I could be friends again. So therefore, as long as you are committed to learning and growing and healing, you have the personal power to change any relationship. When I started this podcast, I said that I approach people as showing up traumatized. I hope you are starting to see what I mean. Knowing this then, we can develop a deeper sense of compassion and acceptance, understanding that we too are traumatized. So as you embark on this another week, another opportunity to grow in life, I hope you develop sufficient awareness to recognize unhealed shame wounds within yourself. Only with the view of understanding yourself and perhaps motivating you to seek motivating you to seek another mind to help you process yours. So as I share this podcast, I am standing firmly and proudly in my vulnerability. This is in the hope to inspire you to do the same, to show up fully knowing you could be hurt, but doing it anyway, embracing a fearlessness deep within you. 
stay blessed and have a beautiful week. Thank you.